It's time for the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email backtothebookbroadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org. And now the broadcast. Please take your Bibles once again. Turn back to the book of Romans, chapter number 7, and we're going to conclude this chapter and maybe barely begin to touch into chapter 8, and then we'll probably save the majority of chapter 8 for next week if the Lord will help us, if, if that's what God wants. Um, we've been dealing so far this week on this third question. On They basically asked, is the law sin? He's been showing how that by the law, I mean, we're condemned to death. They're saying, well, is that which was supposed to be to life then? You know, it's been made death unto us. I mean, is it wicked then? Is it wrong? And Paul points out, no, the problem is not with the law, never has been. The problem is with us because we have a sin nature. There's the law of sin working in our members that when I see the law of God and agree with the law of God and delight in the law of God, that law of sin in my members wars against the law of God, and I end up falling flat on my face, and I'm gu as guilty as sin before God. Read with me again, if you would. I'm going to start in verse number 18, kind of picking up where we left off, and read the rest of chapter number 7, and then we'll deal with a few more things and review a few things as well, if the Lord will help us. The Bible says, For I know that in me... That is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. I want to state this before I go any farther. I don't want to forget this. Verse number 25 is not teaching bipolar Christianity. It's not okay to make Christianity all spiritual as far as all, or all mental, without ever changing the inside. That's not what it's about. That's not what he's teaching here. Rather, he's showing us two different natures, and the majority of chapter 7 has been focused on Paul attempting to live up to the law of God in the power of his flesh. Now, we're going to find out even in the next chapter, we're not to walk after the flesh, period. So he's not saying, you know, 
as long as my mind's okay with God, I can live in my flesh any way I choose. That's not his point. By way of quick review, here are these legalists, these people wanting to bring Christians back under the bondage of the law, back to legalism. And Paul just points out, you never could live up to the righteousness of the law before. What makes you think you're going to be able to now? You cannot. Because in the flesh, there's no good thing. We are incapable, unable to live up to the righteousness of a holy God in the power of our flesh. So the law, number one, we said, was only designed to reveal our sin. When that law is given, we find that it aggravates or arouses the sin in our hearts and just manifests it. It puts the light right on it, makes it mad, and it wants to break that law of God, so to speak. We find that the penalty under the law is always death. So when it arouses that sin, now I have committed a crime against God that is worthy of death. So the law is simply doing its job, but our nature is simply running its course, which is against the law of God. It's never, it's always been against the law of God. It cannot ever be with it. The Bible says in the next chapter, verse number seven, he says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God. Notice the next phrase, neither indeed can be. It's impossible for any man in the power of his flesh to live up to the law of God. So why'd God give the law then? Because God wanted man to see through the law how wicked and guilty we are. He said, but sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good. Here, here's the reason he gave it. That sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. A biggest part, or a major part of the problem today is that people do not see themselves as sinners before God. They do not see themselves as God sees them. And when you call them out on that, when you shine the light on the sin, they get mad at you. They do the same thing the Pharisees do. They think they are good. They think they are okay. Or they have convinced themselves and deceived themselves into saying, oh, I'm good before God. When the truth of the matter is, God has a problem with our sin nature. Not just the actions we commit, but rather the thoughts and the intents of our heart which is the law of sin in our members. We are wicked by nature. We cannot live up to the righteousness of God. There is not a single good thing in our flesh. Well, we look around and say, man, look at that guy. He's doing great things. He's a good man. God said there's none good. Because even our righteousness is. There's an element of pride in it. Look at what I've done. Look at how many people I've helped. When we think that we can get ourselves to heaven by our own works, you may as well slap God in the face because you're attempting to say that your so-called righteousness is just as good as the righteousness of Christ that he freely offers by his gift of grace. And you're basically saying, you know what? I don't need the blood Jesus Christ shed on Calvary. I don't need him to take my penalty. 
I don't need his righteousness. Rather, mine is good enough by itself. And I'll just let that stand before God. And God will accept it. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but no, he won't. And that's Paul's whole point. We can't live up to the righteousness of God. So we find for salvation or for holy living, either way, there can be absolutely no dependence on the flesh. If we want to live the victorious Christian life, it will not be lived in our own power. You need to get a hold of that. I need to get a hold of that. Because so often we as Christians think that we can live up to God's standards. We have a word of God that tells us what is right and what is wrong. It is the law of God. But without a, a dependency on the Holy Spirit of God through the power of the Word of God and His Spirit, if we don't learn to be dependent on God, we'll never be able to live the life that He really wants us to live. And if we keep on trying to fulfill this external checklist of do's and don'ts in the power of our flesh, you'll find it's impossible and you'll drive yourself crazy attempting to do all the right things, but with the wrong power. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to live up to a law that you cannot live up to without God working in you through your heart. God gave the law simply to expose to us our need of Him for salvation and for all of life. The need that we find from this is for an external power to deliver us from the body of this death. We find a little excerpt right at the very end of this chapter. Jesus Christ is going to be the answer. And our mind is going to be part of the answer. That all comes into clear view in chapter number 8. But before I move on, I want to show you something else, and we may or may not touch on chapter 8 tomorrow. I'm not sure yet. But I want you to look with me in Mark chapter number 10. I want to show you how God use, uses this law and how it ought to work in your heart. And, well, I believe I have turned to the wrong book here. Hold on a second. Mark. I turn to Luke. Mark in chapter number 10. I, I had myself confused there for a second. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 10 and verse number 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Notice his emphasis. It's on his works. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said, un, or said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. 
Honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. We see here an example. This is not another way to be saved. This is not another way to inherit eternal life. Jesus was using the law. You know what commandment he was referencing? On the one thing thou lackest, thou shalt not covet. God said, well, go ahead, get rid of all your, th all your stuff, knowing that this young man was covetous. And he couldn't. He wouldn't. God used the law to show this young man who thought he was all right before God to show him you're not. Dear friend, I take you to this passage simply to bring out some application. The law is here for us the same way today. God's not done away with the law for all mankind. Rather, we, once we get saved, have died to the law and are brought into a marriage union with Christ, given the power to live for God. That's explained in the beginning of chapter 7 in verses 1 through uh, 8, or I'm sorry, 1 through number 6. God wanted you to see your wickedness before him so that you can understand the only answer if you'll ever make it to heaven won't be through what you do, my friend, but rather it'll be through your faith and trust in his finished work at Calvary. You've been listening to the Back to the Book broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman, 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee, 37803, or email Back to the Book Broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Wallen, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.